Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to 2A to be or not 2A to be. Today we are discussing CSF spaces and edema. Yes, we are. Uh, this is anatomy, your favourite. Tell me about CSF spaces. Uh, so CSF spaces include your ventricles mm-hmm. and then sort of any part around the brain where there can be a little bit of CSF and basal systems, etc. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's got an anatomical name, no? The space around the brain. What's the anatomical name? Subarachnoid space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but does that include basal <laughs> systems? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay. Um, um, good. Um, tell me about the life cycle. Let's do a... Okay. Yeah. So I, I actually read this the other day, and I think... Okay. It's something like four or five times a day your um, body replaces its entire volume of CSF. Okay. So it's something like you have, and this is something rough, it's about like 150 mils in your brain at any time and 500 mils go through your brain. Very nice. Those are the exact numbers. Oh, God, that's completely made up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, ventricular volume um, CSF approximately? So it's the largest bit. So, no, it's a small, small bit, is it? Oh. So then that's going to be something like 30. 25, close enough, I'll Great. accept. And then the rest the rest is going to be... In, where is it? Um, the subarachnoid space. Thank you. <laughs> is approximately... 120 something, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Uh, so, yeah, CSF is produced about 500 mils a day, completely replenishes three or four times a day, which is... Actually, wild. I know, mental. I think that's why I've remembered it. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Where is CSF produced? Um, in the um, arachnoid. No? Oh, sugar. Oh, in the choroid plexus. Yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking about the arachnoid granulations. <laughs> but not there yet. No. And where are the choroid plexi? Um, so, is it lateral ventricles? Think about CT. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of posterior horn. Yeah. So it's the body and the temporal horn yeah. of each lateral ventricle. Yeah. Where else? Um, where else? Yeah. Can you see this on a CT? You can. And I've only started noticing Pineal it. glands? No. So above the pineal yeah. gland, and the roof of the third yeah, ventricle. The roof of the third ventricle. Yeah. And? And also the roof of the fourth ventricle. Fourth. Okay. So you can sometimes see it on a CT and often I'm like, ah, and then, oh no, it's just choreoplexus. Yeah, I've seen it in the third. I don't think I've seen it in the no. fourth. Uh, NB, there is no choroid plexus in the cerebral aqueduct or the occipital and frontal horns of the cerebral aqueduct, which is between three and four. It is. Very nice. Or what was the second place? Or in the occipital or frontal horns yeah. of the lateral ventricles. Fine. Fine. Uh, so that's where CFSF's made. It circulates. And then where does it go? Uh, it then gets absorbed by the arachnoid granulations. Lovely. And what else? To where? Where yeah. do the arachnoid granulations go? I'm not sure. Oh, like venous? Yeah. Yeah, drainage. <laughs> yeah, so probably like... To the dual venous sinuses. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it can also go into the lymphatic system yeah. and a bit to the cerebral veins. Fine. But the arachnoid granulations are the ones that go into the sinuses, the venous. venous. Yeah. Very nice. Um, what else? 
I don't think we need to... Maybe a bit about the aqueduct stuff. Or the aqueduct. Like the between how they connect to each other. Okay, the foramens, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, tell me. So, um... Start at the frontal horn of the lateral ventricle. Yeah, so then the frontal horn at the front of the lateral ventricles become yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. And there's no little thing. Mm-hmm. And they're also connected then to occipital horns and temporal horns. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And then that connects to the third ventricle through the foramen on Monroe. Mm-hmm. And then the third ventricle connects to the fourth end ventricle by the cerebral aqueduct. Mm-hmm. Also and called the... Oh, I can't remember that. So it's an eponymous name, yeah. just in case that comes up for some reason. Aqueduct of Silvius. Silvius, yeah, I would recognise that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the fourth ventricle drains yeah. by three. Yeah. Um, and it's the foramen of Lushka laterally and the foramen of Magendi medially. Mm-hmm. I think the L and the M useful. Yeah. Um, There's a fourth opening. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of the fourth ventricle. Mm-hmm. It's not called a foramen. I've asked you this before. Oh, have yeah. you? Is it called a foramen? No. no. Hmm. Let's see. Fourth ventricle. Oh, into the basal cisterns or something. No. So that's Magendi and, and Lushka. So where else does it go? Where else does CSF go? If you wanted to take a sample of CSF, where would Oh, yeah, into the... Fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's it do that? the obex is the opening to the spinal canal. Obex. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the one in the middle, not the stuff that sur- that goes around the spine. If that makes sense, that's subarachnoid space. Oh, okay. It's so the it's the tiny little one, one in through the middle, the middle yeah. which I think someone pointed out the other day. We had a conversation about and it. And it's completely normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we thought that was the abnormality in that case. Pillory, hemangioma, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That really annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Lovely. Um, tell me about um, hydrocephalus then. Okay, so there's two types, Very obstructing nice. and non-obstructing. Nice. Um, obstructing is essentially... Uh, so yes, that's what they're called, but they've got a slightly different name. Oh, okay. Um, obstructing and non-obstructing. Um, is that have I got the names completely wrong? Uh, you've got the pathology it. of what's happening. Yeah, correct. But the name is something different. It's a different name. Oh, normal pressure. No. No. Communicating. Communicating and non-communicating. And non-communicating. Yeah. yeah. So tell so, me, tell me about communicating first. So communicating is the um, non-obstructive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you can have um, issues with the reabsorption so mm-hmm. via the um, arachnoid granulation really nice isn't absorbing but i think there's also something else that can be oh you can have normal pressure mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's also another type of um communicating mm-hmm. but i'm not actually sure of what the pathology is behind that i don't think anyone is oh that's reassuring she says maybe yeah. they do i, I think you're know. right yeah, yeah. But i have um, seen one of those there's also something else which isn't written here uh-huh. uh, i'm looking at mandel for the benefit yeah. of the recording <laughs> thanks um uh but so you think about it as either too much CSF being produced or too, or too little, little being drained. drained. And I think if you have like a choroid pe- plexus cancer, so, you can get loads formed. Chordoma. Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Don't know. Thanks. Oh, you're thinking about um, Joy's teaching. Mm. Can't remember what it's called. Okay. We'll look it up. We'll, get, we'll come back to that when it comes to... Uh, Brain tumors? Tumors, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, so those are the different things. And then tell me about non-communicating. So non-communicating is essentially you've got a obstruction of the flow of the CSF. Yeah. So you could have something like a tumor blocking it, or um, a huge stroke that's caused mass effect, or um, edema causing mass effect, yeah. like from a tumor, etc. Yeah, yeah, et yeah. Lovely, and you can also have like cysts or colic yeah, cysts, more benign things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I slightly missed whether you said it earlier. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -mm. Uh, with the communicating hydrocephalus, yeah. another one of the things is that uh, so if you have like a subarachnoid hemorrhage, yeah. it sits in the and that stops arachnoid granulations exactly. Okay. So that's one of the causes of the arachnoid granulations not absorbing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lovely, and like other ones, other causes of the subarachnoid granulations not absorbing would be, hmm. can you think of any? Mm, anything else in the subarachnoid space that yeah. should be there? Yeah, so, uh, or if you think about it, it's going through the meninges, right? Yeah, it's the meningioma. Not meningioma, but like a meningitis, or oh, like yeah. a encephalitis, yeah. or, I don't know if yeah. encephalitis, but we can check that. Yeah. Uh, but anything that's disrupting that flow. Can I just quickly, you know that, um, on core tests we did, yeah, one that wasn't meningitis, but what was it? Oh, uh, that, that had like frontal like enhancement. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay. Uh, was it a like like a carcinomatosis? You know when it's it's like, like do you know when you get um leptomeningeal spread? That's leptomeningeal. Yeah. Do you know I kept on saying leuco? That's oh yeah, lepto leptomeningeal spread. Yeah, yeah. disease or spread. exactly, and that yeah. can certainly cause an obstructing. Um, a non-obstructing hydrocephalus. Um, exactly. Yeah. Tell me about different types of brain edema. Um, different types of brain edema. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, Radiopedia in the one of the in the emergency calls, one of their videos talks about this, and I found it really useful. Oh, okay. Tell me. There's, this book, I think, talks about three. Yeah. But I tend to think of cytotoxic and vasogenic. Okay, tell me about this. Um, so cytotoxic is your, if you think about your stroke edema, mm -hmm. uh, so you're going to have your grey and white matter affected, and um, you know it's cytotoxic because the edema goes all the way to the edge of the brain, as it were. I'm just thinking of, like, imaging. Like cortex? Yeah. So you get a loss of grey-white matter differentiation. Yeah. Fine. Versus vasogenic, mm. which is caused more by, like, brain tumours, um, where the grey matter is preserved and the edema is only within the white matter. Ooh. So you get an area of, like, edema, mm. but you've you've maintained the grey matter. It says it there, so just make yeah, sure it does say what it I'm saying is right. So cytotoxic edema... Cell swelling caused by damaged AT, um, sodium potassium ATPase ion pumps. Yeah. So essentially they're not pumping affect. out water. The water gets trapped yeah. and you get edema. Can affect both grey and white matter. Yeah. Cytotoxic edema is caused by cell death, most commonly due to infarct. Water ions are trapped inside the swollen cells. Isabel, it's like you've read this before. Oh, I shouldn't be saying your name. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Uh, vasogenic edema is interstitial edema caused by increased capillary permeability, which makes sense. Tumors do, do that, that, don't they? Yeah. It is seen primarily in the white matter as there is more interstitial space. Vasogenic edema is most commonly caused by neoplasm, infection, or infarct. Mm -hmm. And then they, yeah, you're right, they do have a third sort of type here, but that's interstitial edema. Mm. They've just said vasogenic. 
It even is interstitial edema. That's why it confuses me. And I think clinically, I've only really heard of the other two. Yeah. Like in imagery. Oh, I think, so this, what they're saying here is that there's a type of edema you can get due to uh, like really bad hydrocephalus. Okay. Around like periventricular. It's almost okay. like fluid so much that it then starts leaking, leaking out, out into the brain. Fine. Even though I think it says in this textbook, they don't think the water actually goes yes. across, but it's yeah. kind of like that. Okay, yeah. It so is. it says here, uh, interstitial edema is caused by imbalances in CSF flu, yeah. most commonly due to obstructive hydrocephalus. Interstitial edema presents on imaging as periventricular fluid, and it's often called transependymal flow of CSF, but it's unlikely the CSF actually flows across the ependymal cells yeah. lining the ventricles. Yeah. I'm very impressed that you knew that. Um, tell me a little bit now, just the last moment, about different places the brain can herniate. Okay, um, so, I mean, there's lots of different descriptions of herniation, but I like to talk about two or three. Do you <laughs> well, when I'm thinking about <laughs> imaging, yeah. there's so many. So yeah, so when you talk about um, midline shift, mm. that's basically a type of subfalcine herniation. Very nice. Um, so I think the words are kind of interchangeable, but sometimes you might want to be more specific. Mm. You then have uncle herniation, mm -hmm. which is um, when the temporal lobes um, herniate downwards, yeah. and that in turn can put pressure on the cerebellum, and you can essentially get coning, which yeah. is the third type of herniation, yeah. which is just really nice. cerebellar tonsillar herniation. So I've got a really good scan to show make sure I do okay I will I because I'm not sure I ever see these things related to that and I just saw earlier you were on a page and I think it was on here yeah where it was talking about the whirlpool sign not oh. whirlpool but swirling sign oh, of blood yeah mm. showing that it's active so this scan shows these and that Ooh, fun should, yeah I definitely won't see that I will remind you and there's another scan um of a head with some only orbital findings, but it's also, I didn't see it, Pippa did, but it's interesting. Very mustn't say people say I know. <laughs> uh, fine, so herniation, subfalcine, transtentorial slash uncle, yeah. same, same, and then cerebellar tonsillar, same as coning. coning yeah. Fine. Uh, what's all this nonsense? Okay, that's interesting. Uh, so, transtentorial herniation. Mm -hmm. So the medial temporal lobes which are the uncles yeah uh, they go through the tentorial notch yeah and they can compress the brainstem and adjacent structures so what might any people be saying to you how might this patient be presenting completely unresponsive because they're not breathing <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> sure why not what might be some more subtle findings brainstem oh some of the um cranial like nerve point. yeah findings so third um, nerve very nice so what might Oculomotor, so down and out. Yes, very nice. Um, and the pupils dilated. Dilated, yeah. Very nice. Uh, they can get impact. Which I think actually in that case is what they said. Yeah. Blown pupils. Oh, ooh, nice. Um, you can get compression of the posterior cerebral artery at that point. Yes. You can get infarct. So, and that was a point that P mentioned. <laughs> Um, because she said, what else do you need to look at? But it wasn't on this scan. And I was like, oh, infarcts. And she was like, yes, because PCA might be compressed. Ah, oh, so that oh, scan so good. brings it all together. If you're listening, we love you. <laughs>
Um, and then there's something here. It doesn't say what it is, so we might have to look it up. But yeah. um, upper brainstem direct hemorrhages. I have heard of direct hemorrhages. I think, are they not the shearing ones? Yes, they are the shearing ones. Oh my God, you freak. Caused by shearing of perforating vessels due to downward force on the brainstem. I don't know what that means. We'll Google it. Yeah. Uh, well, like, if you think about that. like vessels, downward force, they're shit. Yeah, but what does it look like? Oh, I don't yeah, know what it looks like. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you can get a hemiparesis because you're squashing your cerebral peduncles. Okay. Because that's where all your motor tracks and stuff pass. Pass, isn't yeah. it? Compression of the contralateral. But why, why do your motor tracts pass into the cerebellum? Would they not just go downwards? Cerebral peduncle. Yeah, cerebral peduncle. Not the cerebellum. Oh, peduncle. sorry, yes. Oh, I'm so close to the microphone. No, so that's sorry. good. Uh, Where is the cerebral peduncle? <laughs> Stop it. No, I'm being completely serious. <laughs> <laughs> you know where. Uh, this it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So where the midbrain like, connects to, to the, the rest brain. of the brain. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Just checking. Uh, so hang on. This is quite confusing. Compression of the contralateral to the other side, mm -hmm. cerebral peduncle, against Kernahan's notch, who mm -hmm. has, causes a hemiparesis ipsilateral to the herniated side. So. You're herniating, you're squashing the other side. But you get symptoms on the... You get symptoms on this side because of how the motor tracks cross. They must, they must have already crossed. Yeah. yeah. I don't Not care to learn such things. No. Um, yeah, so it's actually more tonsillar herniation that causes your break, your um, respiratory, because the respiratory centres are in the medulla. Lower down, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, very good, I think. That's sort of enough for this one. I think so, because it's enough. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. So that was actually more CSS, please. Oh, no, we did talk about edema. Ignore.